Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, welcome back to the Out of Spec Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan, joined by Max Patton, very own AirPods Max Patton. And we are talking Toyota company toyota lexus today because um they've been in the news quite a bit over the last i mean when are they not in the news i guess but their their electrification strategy is kind of all over the place and we cover a lot of electrification so i think it's critical we talk about them really as much as possible because there's a lot to go into um but yeah we're gonna basically talk about what we know so far and i guess i'll say this is the end of october in 2022 because their strategy keeps adjusting itself so this is a moment in time episode perhaps of what their strategy is as of right now and we can kind of talk about where they've been and where they're headed so let me start off with a really brief blip of history i mean toyota's the largest car company in the world i think they sold like 10.5 million cars last year i'm curious how that'll be different this year um but they're by far the biggest a little bit bigger than volkswagen way bigger than ford those are number two and three um and then in 1996 that's 20 over 25 years ago they introduced the Prius to the world, which, yeah, most people don't realize the first-gen Prius was way back in 96. That was hybrid, the first consumer mass-market hybrid electric vehicle. That was a big deal. So we all thought Toyota was going huge places with electrification. I, for one, and probably a lot of others, thought they would maybe be leaders in the electric game because they were leaders in the electrification game. But those are different things. So they sell hybrid electric, plug-in hybrid, internal combustion, fuel cell electric vehicles, and battery electric vehicles. Um, and we'll kind of go through those a bit here and there. But um, yeah, what's what's the latest in the news, Max? Yeah, so there's kind of breaking news in this in the sense that there was a Reuters report a few days ago that Toyota leadership is again kind of rebooting their electric strategy. Um, so that was a few days ago. Internal reports suggest that. Now, there was an official announcement that they were 
committing to electrification, spending a lot of money close to like $60 billion on it in the end of 2021, so December, a few months ago. So this is a reboot of a reboot, I guess. Um, maybe in response to who knows, there's not much sales they done BZ4X, but I know we're not particularly impressed by it. You know, it's not exactly a state of the art electric vehicle. So it seems like they know that they have to do more to catch up to the Teslas and uh, the General Motors now, you know, of, of the world now who are pioneering in the EV space. So, of course, they're unquestionably, like Jordan was mentioning, leaders in the hybrid space ever since they've iterated the crap out of Prius and made that a great product. And of course, all of their Highlander, RAV4, uh, um, the Corolla now, basically every car in their lineup is hybridified or electrified if you ask them. But I guess we'll talk about in this podcast what exactly electrified means in uh, Toyota speak. Yeah, they emphasize electrified. So that just means all the different powertrains talked about, I guess, except for ICE, internal combustion engine. But yeah, the they've had a hybrid for a while. And I think those have typically been what nickel hydride batteries. Um Nickel but metal hydride, which is a yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, like it's a much Toyota will tell you it's a great technology because it's really mature and it's kind of what they were using since I think first gen Prius. Uh, and they love putting it in their cars. It's cheaper than lithium ion and it is um, also just less energy dense. So it's heavier. You can't really make battery EVs with it, but it works okay in hybrids. Yeah. And But now we're kind of in that age of bringing out more and more lithium-ion. So um, for our visual listeners, you can kind of see a couple things like the RAV4 Prime, which is really an incredibly hot selling vehicle. They can't seem to make enough because they're sold out like everywhere and they're fetching ridiculous prices. They're subject to some dealer markups. Um, it is very hard to find one. In fact, I've had a number of friends asking me, about what electric car to drive because their first choice, which was the uh, RAV4 Prime, is impossible to find, which is crazy. Like it's literally pushing people to electric, which is kind of ironic. And because it's, you know, they're they're basically pushing people out of Toyota because Toyota doesn't really have electric cars. I mean, they kind of do, but more on that in a bit. Um, and then there's also the Prius Prime, of course, which is the latest iteration of that infamous vehicle that we all know and like make fun of, but also love. Um, I really enjoyed mine. I had a third gen facelift, no pre facelift third gen Prius. It was fantastic, bulletproof, amazing fuel economy, very um, uh, spacious too on the inside for what it is. So I'm a fan. I think it has a great place in the industry. And the Prius Prime is really a compelling option for the plug in fans out there. Although it is funny with like, because we were testing one last year and it has, it has E all wheel drive, I think they call it. Um, which gives you a full six horsepower on the rear out wheels. So I guess just enough to get there's you out funny, of... <laughs> there's a funny distinction too, because it gets more... Co- I was doing some research and the Prius with E all-wheel drive, while it is a Prime, you uh, so the Prime, the pr- normal Prius Prime with you know, boring front-wheel drive is one of the few vehicles Toyota makes with a lithium-ion battery as a hybrid, uh, 6.2 kilowatt-hour pack. Well, if you get that E-all-wheel drive with that very helpful seven-horsepower rear motor, <laughs> you get a nickel-metal hydride battery, which actually increases wow. the overall weight of the car significantly. You have about 100 pounds extra because of that E-axle, that motor on the back, but then you also have the added weight of a nickel-metal hydride battery as opposed to a lithium-ion battery. Like, you get an normal Prius Prime. So 
unless you really want to have low slip launches, the EL wheel drive Prius is a kind of confusing product. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting, but that's just one of many. Like you said, they have kind of hybridized everything, which I think is good. And that's, I guess, uh, an approach they're kind of taking. Instead of focusing on battery electric, they're focusing on electrification, which is, yeah, kind of a weird systematic difference in the nomenclature. But um, their thought is, oh, well, it's better to have hybrids in everyone's hands than it is to have battery electrics in just a few people's hands. And Toyota has mentioned concerns about the high cost of vehicles, the lack of infrastructure, and they're literally playing the waiting and watching game, which is not what I expected from them. I think there is a business case for it, but also it's almost like I would rather see them go in and be the change they want to see, like make some sort of quality charging infrastructure, figure out how to make that profitable and figure out how to bring the cost of vehicles down, make cheaper electric cars granted that's easier said than done but what do you think they're gonna do <laughs> well, it's a hard question, but if you look at like back in the history, like you were saying with hybrids, they really did kind of uh, do the work for everybody in terms of nailing down hybrid powertrains. That wasn't a trivial technology to de develop. I mean, hybrids have been around for a while, but I don't, I don't think it was until really the first few pre-I that Toyota proved that, oh, a hybrid powertrain can actually be more efficient and can be reliable and can be made for somewhat cheaply. Um, they, they kind of proved all that to the entire world. And of course, now hybrids, plug-in hybrids are really popular. And uh, Toyota is probably the undisputed king of them still. So they did, you know, great work with that. When it comes to EVs, they don't seem to have that same advantage or like first mover impetus uh, because they just, you know, frankly, they don't have a battery supply situation. Like uh, you look at General Motors, who is signing all these contracts and these partnerships to get resources to make batteries and to build them. Tesla, the whole story of Tesla is basically their partnership with companies like Panasonic, and then of course now developing their own batteries. So Toyota has none of these advantages, um, and maybe they could, but as of as as of now they're kind of very dependent on other suppliers which doesn't seem to be their way i think they work at their best when they can leverage their scale and their like first party advantage because they're such a huge company but the fact that they have this such a like a such a microscopic step into electrification means that until they commit in a bigger way they can't really leverage their amazing you know power as a giant company to make these lower cost kind of full-on battery evs Yeah, I think we all got hyped at the end of last year when they kind of made a big announcement for their electrification strategy and they showed off all these crazy concepts. I got super excited because I saw what looked like like a concept MR2 spider kind of EV looking thing. That's right up my alley. There was an um, FJ Cruiser EV. Yeah, there's a lot of cool so stuff. many cool things. So yeah, Akio Toyota shared their strategy for carbon neutrality, which I guess in brief summary, they put a lot of goals by 2030 or so. I think they said $35 billion invested in all electric cars by 2030, which would result in 30 different battery electric cars. And as electrification in total, it'd be $70 billion, which includes their hybrid plug-in hybrid fuel cell and all that. So it's a lot of commitment they shared, but then they've kind of like wavered on that commitment since then. And we've seen kind of mixed reactions to BZ4X. Um, for those who don't know, the BZ4X, you know, shares a platform with Subaru Solterra. Seems to be a decent car. Honestly, I critiqued the crap out of it at first because I was like, this is really ugly. It has weird cladding. Um, I'll actually show a photo here for watchers, but 
yeah, it's a, it's different looking. I don't love it. The interior has got some weird quirks about it, but I did actually get to drive the both forms of it, the all wheel drive, as well as the single motor front wheel drive. And it was good, like better than I expected. It just felt like a good all around, like it just felt like a Toyota that happened to be electric, kind of like some of the vehicles that are, you know, platform shared. Um, but this one seems to be pretty good for like just a fully all electric platform. I'm sure the Subaru drives about the same, but I haven't technically driven it yet. The um, Subaru I'll, has X mode, Jordan, that changes everything. That's right. <laughs> this, this boy's on X games mode. Um, but this is, yeah, it's, it's fine. It seems fairly spacious. I think it actually looks better in person, drives better than I expected. What's interesting is the all-wheel drive one has two 80-kilowatt motors, one on each axle. The front-wheel drive one has one 150-kilowatt motor on the front axle. So they're almost the same power. So unlike a lot of cars, you're not getting way more power by getting all-wheel drive, um, which was kind of funny. And that basically resulted in a lot of front-wheel drive burnouts, which was kind of fun. But the car itself, I mean, it feels mid-segment, I guess, somewhat justified by the price. Like, it's really not that premium, but it's also not like doesn't have a huge price tag. Um, but I was like, why wouldn't they just add 150 kilowatt motor to the 80 kilowatt? And turns out they are. That's just in the Lexus RZ. That's how this one has more power. It's basically the front wheel drive BZ4X motor with the all wheel drive rear motor. So more power. I can't wait to drive this. Have not driven it yet. It does have a yoke. That makes me a bit nervous, but they claim they won't call it a yoke. They call it steer by wire. So it's done differently than the yoke on the plaid. It's not just a yoke plastered onto where a steering wheel would be. It literally adjusts based on speed and turning radius and everything. So you're not actually doing hand over hand movements. So that'll be really interesting to drive. It is an option, but I, you know, I'm somewhat intrigued by their electric, like their battery electric vehicles, but there's also so few of them in this age where everyone else, like you said, GM, all the other main players are ramping up like crazy. And this is just not what I was hoping to see with Toyota. Plus they've had recalls on the BZ4X. They literally put a stop sale out there. It's just kind of a nightmare and I don't envy their place and how they're feeling about things. Cause I'm sure it's stressful on their end. Yeah. And that recall was ostensibly for the wheels falling off the car, which is for a company that is as revered for its build quality and reliability as Toyota is particularly kind of embarrassing to have for your new, at the moment, flagship electric vehicle. Yeah, I I can I can guess safely say that allegedly there's rumors that have kind of been confirmed that it's not just the wheels. That's the issue, but that's kind of a cover up. So not really sure, but. Hopefully, I think that is an actual issue as well, though, which is, yeah, just kind of embarrassing because you're a company that's been making cars for so long. You make so many cars, literally the biggest car company in the world, and that you have this kind of issue on a car that a lot of people are like hyped about or even not hyped. It's just like there's supposed to be hype there, and you kind of like flop on your like first main battery electric vehicle. Kind of sad. Um, I also wanted to get your thoughts before we close out on the fuel cell, because that's something somewhat unique. Now, they're not the only ones. Uh, Hyundai, of course, has the Nexo, but Toyota has the Mirai, uh, which I also drove at the event in Plano. And I was genuinely impressed. I mean, it felt extremely luxurious. I thought it was well worth the 50000 price tag, even if it was just gas. But being 
um, hydrogen that's like the cherry on top, far more fuel efficient. Of course, clean burning because hydrogen basically burns at like the emissions are basically water, which is cool. But then you have the issue with infrastructure. What do you think of hybrid or uh, sorry, hydrogenization? <laughs> uh, well, you know, fuel cells are a controversial technology. I think Elon Musk at one point called them fuel cells. Obviously, he's somewhat biased, <laughs> you know, with the relationship to Tesla yeah. there. But um, Toyota was a big believer in this technology, still seems to be. The Mirai is still being sold. Uh, and it is unquestionably, I think, a great car. I haven't um, had the experience you had with one, but everything I see about it kind of tells me it's basically a Lexus with a Toyota badge on it. Uh, it's rear-wheel drive. It's actually like a fun car. It's luxurious. It's well-appointed. Uh, they're almost certainly selling them at a loss because that I can't imagine the hydrogen fuel cell powertrain comes cheaply. Uh, and I think you can only buy them in California, if I'm correct, right? I think so. I, I'm not positive on that, but that's like the only place you can really fuel them. A few so. other states, I think, <laughs> have stations, but very sparingly. The only state that really comprehensively has a story for hydrogen, I think, if you were to, you know, to drive all the way up it, would be California. Yeah. Uh, so assuming that infrastructure exists, it's a cool proof of concept. And I guess it shows you that, like, I don't know, Toyota, in, in some respects, is a bit of a sleeping giant here. They can really achieve greatness. The Mirai is just, you know, them kind of flexing that they have this fuel cell advantage. Of course, Hyundai is doing that, too. But, um, you know, they really can have greatness in areas, uh, even if other people, the media, were not paying as much attention to those areas. Because who knows, maybe fuel cells will be a big deal, if not for passenger cars, then maybe for trucking or other kinds of ground transport in the future. Yeah. So I guess to wrap it up, who knows if this is the right or wrong strategy. Um, this could be, you know, everyone's doing this huge push on EVs and we even have all this sort of legislation that's trying to ban um, internal combustion engine cars. That's probably a whole nother podcast topic because that would be a fun debate, I think, with um, someone in that region. Um, but it's interesting to see Toyota's approach and I hope it works out for them. I do like Toyota. But I feel like this is just going to hurt them in the long run, and they'll have a lot of catch-up to play, especially in terms of all the future things associated with EVs, at least where other companies. It seems like that's where they're pushing all their technology. Um, I wanted to end by kind of bringing up this acronym that Toyota's been throwing around called CASE, uh, which basically means connected, autonomous, shared, and electric. And this is like something they are passionate about, but also the actions speak louder than words, and their actions are not really jumping into that super well. I'm sure they're developing it. They have all sorts of R&D that we won't even see for a while. Um, we've seen things like the new Toyota Crown coming out. Um, I guess- And not on the Crown actually in their electric strategy because the Crown <laughs> is not a particularly relevant vehicle it's a lifted sedan. I actually had the opportunity to see one when they were launching it. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the big things they were talking about with the Crown wasn't really the vehicle itself, but was the battery powering the hybrid powertrain. So they had a new hybrid powertrain that debuted on it, and it was powered by what they called a bipolar nickel metal hydride battery. Now, I'm not <laughs> a chemist. I don't know too much about this, but from what I understand, it's basically a more optimized, more energy dense nickel metal hydride unit. So they're able to basically consolidate more parts of it so that the cells can share more resources. You can basically have a denser battery. So I don't think it's approaching lithium ion or lithium phosphate batteries in terms of density, but 
I understood it's kind of an in-between measure for them to still be able to use that uh, generously phrased, I guess, you know, proven or older battery technology in their newer hybrids. So they're doing things, just things that kind of puzzle the rest of the industry. Slow progression. Um, I will say the fifth gen Prius is coming out. And again, I'm a Prius fan and it's like pretty fantastic allegedly so um let's yeah let's wrap it up there and let us know your thoughts on toyota strategy what would you like to see from them and uh are there any cars in toyota's lineup that really pique your interest or are you just like sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what they do because i think a lot of people are in that boat camping on the sidelines which is fascinating because they're still the biggest car company to sell the most cars so there's still obviously a ton of buyers and that speaks to the fact that electrified cars are still not majority in the industry, especially battery electric. They're only single digit percentile, but that is growing massively because of all the other players. I don't know. What do you have? Final thoughts, Max? Yeah. uh, Watch this space. I mean, I don't think anyone should count Toyota out. I've been kind of playing devil's advocate for them this whole episode, but in part, that's actually a reasonable thing to do uh, because you kind of can, as an observer, wait and see on this. And if you look at stuff like RAV4 Prime, that's a great car, assuming you can get it without the ridiculous dealer markup. Part of why I think that's a great car is because it has a lithium-ion battery, but that's beyond the point. The point is, uh, once Toyota really wants to step into electrification, it seems like they can. The question is how and how soon. And if any recent reports or anything to go by, it looks like they're really accelerating that pace. So, yeah, just let us know. Like, Do you think uh, what kind of vehicle would you like to see Toyota, let's say, battery electrify first? Um, Like, I don't know. Jordan, do you have any thoughts on that? Yep. That's my that's my final remark. Akio Toyota, please give me my electric MR2 Spider. Thank you. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.